I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the Para-X. Welcome, this is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole, and I'm here with my co-host, Jason Caldwell, and tonight we have a very special guest, one that I'm proud to have on the show, uh, to talk about a topic that uh, had a direct impact on my life, and uh, many of the people that I know's life as magicians, which is the aspects of religious freedom, litigation, and actually fighting for our rights. Uh, tonight we have the Reverend Selena Fox on the show, who uh, is founder of the Lady Liberty League. She runs Circle Sanctuary, is associated, and she can correct me, I think she runs the Pagan Spirit Gathering as well. Uh, also runs Circle Magazine. If you have been in the Wiccan or Pagan circles any time at all, you know who the Reverend Selena Fox is, and there hasn't been a single, in my opinion, and that's just my opinion, um, a single Reverend that has done more for the aspects of religious freedom uh, with paganism, but it's not just paganism, it's across the board, uh, and how important uh, the religious freedom is and being willing to litigate those causes. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Selena. Great to be here. Well, I'm very happy that uh, you could come on the show. Like I said, this is a topic of religious freedom that uh, it's been getting a lot of press lately. Uh, but I think people have a real crazy idea, at least in some media outlets, of what religious freedom actually means. And it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I think I said something at Convocation where I've seen multiple people kind of have problems because they had alternative beliefs and had their kids taken away even though they were good parents uh, and other problems with in general because of the aspects of uh, their religion uh, that would cause them deep hardships uh, so this is a topic that to me is really close to um, um, really close to my heart and a topic that I'm glad we can bring on the show on to kind of really help educate people and say why it's important and what we can do and why it's important to everyone listening, whether or not uh, they're pagan, whether or not they're Hindu, Buddhism, whatever religion they are. Most people think that religious freedom is automatically guaranteed and implemented, but the reality is Yes, there's freedom of religion in the First Amendment of the Constitution in the USA, but just because it's there 
doesn't mean that it's going to manifest in every situation. So it's very important when we look at religious freedom to be actively engaged in paying attention to what's happening to not only religious freedom, but freedom as a whole in our society, and to take action whenever it's threatened or attacked. Well, if we read the newspaper right now, there certainly seems to be a lot of reasons to take action more and more. Um, I mean, along with the freedom, but uh, one of the things that... Um, you have done, and there, there was. We talked before the show, and there was definitely three landmark cases that you wanted to talk about that I think uh, had such a critical push in the culture, the general culture, to actually kind of ensure that we had those kind of religious freedoms. And maybe you could talk about those three big cases and kind of the significance they had. Uh, through the Lady Liberty Liberty League. Yes, back in 1985, there was an attempt to pass legislation at a federal level that would have taken away tax-exempt status for Wiccan churches. Jesse Helms, who was a senator from North Carolina, introduced this. He introduced it in the U.S. Senate, and by unanimous voice vote, he got it approved as an amended amendment to the Postal Appropriations Bill. Well, that bill had to be passed because it helped fund the Treasury and the Post Office and other government appropriations. And it wasn't until there was a grassroots outcry against that amendment that it really had any success in being defeated. I first found out about it while speaking at a pagan festival on a campus um, near Hollywood in California. And it was the Harvest Moon celebration. And someone came in and said, that the U.S. Senate had just passed this amendment to the Postal Appropriations Bill, and it was unanimously passed, which is even more horrific. The person who was working with the American Civil Liberties Union as a lobbyist up on Capitol Hill at the time was another reverend, Reverend Barry Lynn, who, in addition to being a Christian minister, is an attorney. And he was trying to get people to oppose this because of the constitutional um, amendment violations, <clears throat> but no one really wanted to stand up against the so-called um, fundamentalist Christian right wing at the time, and we got a call about this, and I ended up talking with him, and we've actually worked together on various separation of church and state cases and religious freedom cases over the years since that time. I'm happy to report that even before the internet was in common usage and email was an easy way to communicate, 
thousands of people of many different religious backgrounds and orientations and some who weren't religious at all, who were atheists, agnostic, secular humanists, all joined together and contacted their senators and congresspeople to get this amendment taken off the bill. It was passed on the version of the bill that was in the U.S. Senate, and then it needed to go to a joint conference committee to do the final version of the bill before it made its way to becoming law. People from all over the country were making contact with Capitol Hill. We sent out our very first religious freedom action alert. It was before Lady Liberty League existed, and actually it was because of this campaign to defeat this legislation that Lady Liberty League was formed. And it was amazing, the outpouring of people's voices, writing letters, calling, using telegraph, which was one of the fast ways before email came into being. And we got word from some pagans and some magicians who were up on Capitol Hill as part of their mundane job that there was quite a buzz there wondering who these pagans were, who the Wiccans, the pagans, and the magical people were that were all contacting Capitol Hill. And because everyone was writing their letters individually rather than a set form letter, that gave it even more weight. Well, within one month's time, the piece of legislation died. Why did they get rid of it? The excuse they used, it was legislation not appropriate to the bill to which it was attached. That was the Capitol Hill way of being able to get rid of something that was dangerous and distinctly uh, illegal without necessarily coming out in support of witchcraft, which was one of the words that was woven into the bill. After we successfully defeated that piece of federal legislation, we decided that we should continue to network with each other. And so Lady Liberty League started forming under the name of Pagan Strength Web. And that continued to exist for a number of years, and then it got renamed Lady Liberty League. There were other things that have happened since. Sometimes these have been local issues. Sometimes they've had to do with housing, with business, with zoning, with child custody, with rights within institutions, campuses, prisons, the military, hospitals, hospices. Pretty much the quest to get equal rights for pagans and those of other related paths has um, been an ongoing quest, and I'm happy to report, for the most part, we've been able to win our cases. Very good. So, Selena, what would you say would be the next major occurrence that you had to go up against after defeating the writer on the bill? Well, it seems like every decade we have to do something major. We're not looking to do that, but it seems that at a federal level, 
there's been a major quest every decade. So in the 80s, it was the Helms Amendment. And fortunately, that was defeated. But what was in the 90s? Representative Bob Barr of Georgia, yes, the same Bob Barr that ran for president on the Libertarian Party in 2008, Mm. came up with an amendment, um, actually with a piece of legislation that would have made it illegal for Wiccans in the U.S. military to practice their religion while they were at military installations. So once again, there's an attack on the Wiccan religion and related forms of paganism. So what was the justification there? Well, what happened was a... A pagan worship circle was happening at Fort Hood in Texas, which is a major army base. Oh, yes. And it had been operating for a couple years, and a reporter from the local area thought, well, this will make a neat human interest story. Let's write about the witches at Fort Hood. Well, there was a lot of discussion and, of course, um, connecting with people through the chain of command at Fort Hood. And finally, the decision was made, yes, it is okay, an article can be done about the Army accommodating the Wiccan religion and having this circle at Fort Hood. So the article itself that came out was very positive. The reporter covered a spring equinox ceremony. Article came out. Bob Barr and a number of other people got wind of it, and he decided it was time to launch a crusade against our religious freedom. So he came up with this piece of legislation, and he tried not once but twice to get it passed as a federal law. I dubbed this particular adventure in religious freedom Bar Wars because he clearly was making war on us. There was a coalition of 13 fundamentalist Christian groups that said that if the army wouldn't stop accommodating the Wiccan religion in this way, that they were going to boycott enlistments into the U.S. Army. Well, as this opportunity to give corrective feedback to people in government unfolded, it became quite controversial. It was in the national media, just as the Helms Amendment campaign had been. And the more that people talked about the issue, the more attention it took Till finally, the attempt to take away our rights in the U.S. military stopped in this way. So there was success in that his legislation was defeated twice, and there was a heightened awareness about the need to accommodate people of many different beliefs within military settings. However, there was a casualty in the Bar Wars situation. Right Uh prior to this hitting the news, 
that there is a pagan military circle at Fort Hood. Circle Sanctuary became the first pagan church to put forth a candidate for U.S. military chaplain. And we were making our way through the various processes at the Pentagon and had cleared the subcommittee of the Armed Forces Chaplains Board to get our application for Department of Defense Ecclesiastical Endorsing Organization status accepted, as well as our military chaplain candidate approved. Then Bar Wars hit, and it raged in the media, in the public square, for more than six months. By the time all of that settled down, the Armed Forces Chaplains Board was not ruling on any more applications from Mm -hmm. new endorsing um, groups for military chaplains. And to this day, there still hasn't been a pagan U.S. military chaplain that's made it through the hoops. However, um, there are people who are being trained in military chaplaincy, and although the regulations have changed, they are in the process of meeting all those requirements. So it's just a matter of time before we try that again. I was very thankful in 1999 that so many people from so many different traditions, not just pagan and magical traditions, but people from other religions as well as no religion all came together to say we must uphold liberty and justice for all. So there is another example of a victory that happened by many people joining together. Now, one of the things I've noticed, um, and we're talking about the military a little, I noticed that from my own personal experience, uh, actually going on occasion and ministering in prisons, yes, people, I actually do act like a priest sometimes, and am actually a reverend, but I've noticed that when I actually went to um, that, that there was a strong bias against paganism, even in prisons. It was very, very difficult to get in to the prisons in an official capacity, uh, whereas uh, it didn't seem like Christian ministers had the same kind of difficulty. That certainly has been the case, and I'm happy to report that it's less the case now because there's heightened awareness about the need to accommodate different religions, not just Christianity. But I have been part of a quest that's been going on for more than 30 years. It actually started even before I did the work with the Helms Amendment and Lady Liberty League formed. As far back as 1980, I started working on pagan prisoner rights and was the first uh, minister of a pagan religion to perform a ceremony in a Wisconsin prison. Turned out it was a wedding. But I had to go through quite a bit of hoops to make sure that that could happen. I conducted the ceremony in the prison chapel, and that chapel had been donated to the state of Wisconsin by a Christian men's group. 
and there was some big concern about having a pagan wedding in this chapel donated by a Christian group. However, it's state property, it was given to the state, and the state has an obligation and a duty to accommodate all religions. And eventually we were able to sort that all out, and I got to do the ceremony. The couple's still together. It was um, an amazing time. And since that time, I've been doing work at not only state prison level, not only in Wisconsin, but I'm a consultant in some other states across the country on religious accommodation. But I also have been doing work with the U.S. Department of Justice Federal Bureau Prisons for the last 20 years, since the early part of the 1990s. I do think that part of the problem in terms of understanding and acceptance has been a lack of understanding about the nature religion realm. But I also think some of the problems have to do with people being entrenched in patterns and just not wanting to acknowledge that there indeed is religious diversity and that everybody should get equal rights. Let me ask you this, Selena, in your personal opinion and everything you've dealt with over the years, obviously in our country, the Abrahamic faiths get precedence. They, they'll be able to do whatever the heck they want to do in most cases. But well, the Christian part of that, yes, most of the time, but I've also had to help some people who are Jewish get okay. their needs accommodated. And there's also been an uphill battle in some places for Muslims. No, I bet, so but, certainly, I think the people of the book, which the Abrahamic faiths are, mm-hmm. um, are now more universally seen as all part of... Um, a form of forms of religion that need to be accommodated, but you're right that uh, certainly there there are some differences when it comes time to really treating everybody equal. Well, see now, I wonder is paganism dealt with with an extra heavy hand, or do other national faiths like Hinduism or Buddhism or are they dealt with just as harshly? Well, there's also challenges for them. In fact, in a well-publicized case out in California, which is continuing to unfold in in various ways, there have been um, a series of cases in California with the California State of um, their corrections, and part of what the problem has been in California, they only recognize five different faith groups that have the ability to have chaplains in the system, Protestant, Christian, Roman Catholic, Jewish, Native American, and Muslim. Wow. Mm. And Patrick McCollum fought a case for a number of years And while that case is presently settled and in kind of a um, holding pattern in another 
another form. The quest to really have a pagan chaplain in the California prison still is ongoing. But the Hindus don't have a chaplain or even the right to be able to have a chaplain apply for a chaplain opening in California. Same with mm-hmm. the Buddhists. So there's an example of a state correctional system that really isn't treating all faiths equally, and that needs to. Right. So we have freedom of religion as long as you pick from this nice little group of five that are, you know, American religions. Mm. Well, in California with the chaplaincy, that's certainly the case. I'm, I'm finding that... Giving correct information can really help, but sometimes it takes people speaking out and being willing to stand strong in this quest for religious freedom and the related quest, which is separation of church and state. I'm presently working with some pagans out of North Carolina, Buncombe County, North Carolina, the public school system there has not kept church and state as separate as they need to. And a pagan mom challenged that practice and actually has challenged it over the last decade. But what brought things to a head um, just within recent months was that her fifth grade son came home from public school with a Gideon Bible in hand that had been passed out at the public school. Oh. She contacted the public school officials about this and was told that any faith could have literature distributed. She put that to the test, took in a variety of pagan and magical books, at which point the school officials said they needed to review their policy and couldn't accept them. So there's been this thing going on for a number of months, and the more that the public scrutiny came down through the media, the more things became apparent where church and state weren't separate. There is even a Christian minister who was serving as a chaplain for a sports team at one of the schools in the system. And as the heat came down about separation of church and state, he lost his job, and there is upsetment over that. And there's been a series of heated public hearings as the school board has been attempting to come up with a policy that really upholds separation of church and state and has fair and equal treatment within the school system, which as a public school it needs to do. Um, Just the amount of hateful speech and hostility that has come from people who are calling themselves Christian has been really sad and disappointing. Um, But there is an ongoing struggle right now in North Carolina regarding 
how religious literature is going to be handled regarding a public school. And really, it is not the place of a public school to be distributing religious literature. No, it is not. And I will say, when I was in school, the Gideons would catch us out on the sidewalk off of school property. No state-funded or federally-funded public school should distribute religious literature of any kind. Well, and there are a number of attorneys that are giving corrective feedback to the school system. (laughs) And I'm thankful for the interfaith coalition that has come together to advise the school board on revising its policy. So there's been a number of um, things. This is one example of something playing itself out in the public school. Having school children be able to get pagan holidays accommodated just as Christian school children can get Christian holidays accommodated, that also has been a quest that we've helped with. And even in the state of New Jersey now, it has met with such great success that statewide the pagan Sabbaths are now on the calendar of holidays that need to be accommodated for students within the New Jersey system. So in addition to Christian and Jewish and Muslim and Hindu and Buddhist holidays, there are now pagan holidays on the list, which means that those holidays can be excused as an absence and not count against students academically. Awesome. So let's take a step back and just ask, let's say the, our listeners don't have kids and they're not, not in a correctional facility. Philosophically, you know, let's, let's investigate a little bit. Why does this matter? You know, why should our listeners care about this? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I've heard the stories and I'm, I'm sure uh, you have too, Reverend Selena, of people losing their jobs over this stuff, but but maybe we should take a step back and say why it does matter. Why does uh, religious freedom matter even if you are Christian listening right now and maybe just have a hobby as ghost hunting? Religious freedom is something that really should be implemented across our nation and I hope it will someday also be implemented worldwide. It's a basic human right In fact, in the Declaration of Human Rights that is part of the UN, religious freedom is right in there as a fundamental human right that we need to have. I really think the basics of being able to believe and practice your religion, whatever that may be, is a really important part of our life. And why be concerned about it if it doesn't directly involve you? Well, if religious freedom is taken away for one group, it can be taken away from other groups. And I do think that part of the reason some of these pagan rights cases have been so much in the media and have garnered so much attention is because it is a kind of teaching moment for society. Many people expect that the Constitution's in place, so therefore 
they're going to be protected, but that's not necessarily so. I think the case that probably got the most attention was something that went on for 10 years. This was the quest to get the pinnacle, the five-pointed star in a circle, emblem of belief for Wiccans, many pagans, and other magical people, to get it added to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs list of emblems that can be included on the grave markers it issued for deceased veterans. I've worked on a lot of different pagan rights cases, but out of all of them, that is the case where I think the public got it. And part of how the public got it, because overwhelmingly we got positive response and people from many forms of Christianity, including fundamentalist, evangelical, charismatic Christianity, were supporting us. Why? Because the story, the face of this matter, was the well-publicized first Wiccan soldier to be killed in action in the War on Terror in Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan, Sergeant Patrick Stewart. He gave his life for freedom in the service of his country. And where was his freedom when his widow decided that she wanted to get a marker on the Wall of Heroes next to the marker of her husband's best friend, also killed in the same enemy fire. Their Chinook helicopter was shot from the sky. And he was Catholic, the friend of Sergeant Patrick Stewart, Colonel John Flynn, got his plaque, no problem. The widow, Roberta Stewart, decided to get a plaque for her husband after several months getting Uh, Further enough in her grieving process, she went to the cemetery to get the plaque and was told she couldn't get a pinnacle on it, and she could get a plaque but with no faith symbol. That deepened her grief, complicated her bereavement, and angered her and stressed her. But to her credit, she was willing to take her story forward, and it was very wonderful to see how many people from so many different political backgrounds and religious orientations came together on that particular issue because they did understand that it was wrong, that the prejudice against the religion, the unequal treatment was wrong, and basically shed patriot blood trumped the prejudice against Wiccan um, spirituality. So I'm glad that people took action. And I think that it's important to know that in taking action, you don't have to be an attorney or be part of some type of organization that takes action. You can take action in a lot of different ways when you hear of injustice and violation of religious freedom. With the internet being so widespread and people having access to it, keep yourself informed, number one. When you see media reports with misinformation, speak out and correct it. Tell others when you hear about cases of injustice, when you hear of specific ways to take action, look at those and if it fits with your way of being, Take that action. 
And certainly, whether you call it prayer, ritual, meditation, to send that kind of spiritual support to those who are actively working to uphold religious freedom. Now, you have been doing this for a lot of years, and we know in the, in the media it's kind of gotten a little contentious the last, well, last few months particularly. You're right. Uh, I mean, I think I can't, uh, your advice is is well heeding, and I think I, I personally can't stress enough that uh, now is the time for action, really. I mean, I think, I think you might agree with me, Reverend Selena. Oh, well, absolutely, and I think when it comes to political life in America, we have some clear choices. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not saying that you need to support one party or another party, but I think it's vitally important that American citizens not only vote, but be informed voters. Look at the record of the people running for office, be it local office, statewide office, or national office, including the highest office in the land. Where are those candidates on religious freedom? Do they mouth it, or are they really embracing religious freedom for all? What has been the track record regarding diversity? Some embrace it and support it. Some do not. And I do think it is important to be aware of what is going on and not to passively let it flow by. It's really important to be engaged if you are living in a democracy. Democracy is only a form of government where there is freedom when people are actively involved in making their voices heard and paying attention to when freedom is upheld and when freedom is threatened. Now, I understand that Wicca is a nationally recognized religion, but we have many pagan faiths, different paths of magical people. Is it easier to fight for the rights of someone who's recognized as a Wiccan than it is just a general pagan? That's been changing lately. Um, it seemed like back in the 80s, in the 90s, and even into the first part of the 20th, 21st century, it seemed that Wiccans had the most attacks on their religious freedom. So therefore, many of the battles that got fought out, whether it's in the court of public opinion, the media, um, and or within courtroom settings, or in some other way, uh, many of those involved Wiccans. But I think there is now a better understanding that there's more than Wiccans part of the large umbrella of paganism. In fact, when Circle Sanctuary um, settlement with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs happened, I made sure before I signed off on the settlement, which got the pinnacle on the list so that it could be on the veteran grave markers, 
that I and Circle Sanctuary, the organization, was permitted to work on other symbols as needed. And it was all part of the wording that happens when you sort through these lawsuits and the settlement piece. Because I knew that there are other pagan paths that have symbols and people serving in the military who have those symbols as their faith symbols that really should be added to the list. Unfortunately, the way that the protocols and guidelines for getting the symbols on the list are written now that someone actually has to die and the next of kin has to request the symbol along with ordering a marker for the deceased soldier or veteran. So so I'm aware of requests for the Awen for the Druids, been supportive of that, the Thor's Hammer for Asatru and other heathens, the Ankh for Iceans and others involved in Egyptian um, religion revivals. I'm, I'm aware of quests for those three symbols to get added to the list. And if any of the listeners here happen to know of someone who has died that has that as a symbol of belief and their loved one hasn't yet ordered a grade marker for a deceased veteran with one of those symbols as an emblem of belief, they should be in touch with the Circle Sanctuary Office and we will help you sort through what you now need to do in order to get not only the marker, but to get the symbol on the list so it can be put on the marker. Very cool. I mean, not cool that people die, but it's very cool that you guys are doing that. Yes, hopefully this is going to go well into the future. Yeah, I think that it will be much easier now because when the rules got changed again, while it still requires there to be what they call an immediate need. Someone's died and the symbol isn't on the list, so you have to put that in as you order the grave marker. The amount of material that you have to submit in order for that to happen is less than when we applied. Well, that shows positive progress then. Yes, progress. And certainly the VA has, I'm happy to report, has been continuing to issue pinnacle markers without problem ever since the symbol went on the list, which was April 23rd of 2007. So we're coming up to the fifth year anniversary of that victory. And I think what happened because of the intense media coverage of that is not only did the court of public opinion help the process, but it helped educate people across the country that there are people besides Christian, Jews, and Muslims in the U.S. military. There are people beyond the Abrahamic faiths that are serving, and how important it is to have them have equal rights as well. Well, and I think it's this is really broad-reaching, because when I look at society, we're not just talking about standing faiths and religious groups. We're talking about people's personal freedom to practice spirituality as they see fit. You have a lot of New Agers out there, and your New Age community, they're not necessarily going to consider themselves pagan, but they endorse a lot of personal spiritual practices. 
And really, like when it comes down to child custody battles and things of that nature, those need to be decided upon people's characters, not upon the way they express their faith. That's right. That's right. And and there's there is prejudice against belief systems that aren't understood or even known about. And it is important that if someone is having a problem, whether it's in child custody or housing or business and education, some other sector of society, that if you do find yourself with something that seems to be discrimination against you because of your religion, there are several things that it's important to do. One is make a written log of what happened when and who can testify to that. Pull together documents that indicate the prejudice. Talk with others that trusted others to get input about what possible options there might be. You know, sometimes getting an attorney involved is the right way to go, but sometimes you can get things accomplished even before hiring an attorney to advise you. Um, taking it to the media is, should not be your first thing that you do. That can complicate things. Yes. It's better, it's better to make a record of what's happened, get some people involved in advising you and helping you. If it happens to be a pagan rights issue, you can contact the Lady Liberty League. That's something that Circle Sanctuary sponsors. If it's something that doesn't neatly fit within a pagan rights situation, there are other organizations that handle First Amendment issue cases, such as the American Civil Liberties Union, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, Barry Lynn, who I first met working on defeating the Helms Amendment, is now head of the Americans United for Separation of Church and State, and that's the organization that provided the attorneys that helped Circle Sanctuary and others we are working with get the pinnacle on the list. So there's some really excellent organizations that can be of assistance. I think the important thing is to realize that if you've had your rights violated, you don't have to just put up with it. You can look at what options. That said, I do think you have to pick your battles. And I think it is important whenever possible to, to challenge any attacks on religious freedom. But you also have to look at the larger picture terms of your life or the lives of people that you're working with and it's you can't really make blanket statements about what to do for every single case because they're all different but i do think it's important that if you've had an experience that you make a record of that and whether you choose to get attorneys involved and take it into the courts and fight it in that way or do some other forms of problem solving, 
it is important to be able to tell that story to help educate other people about what has been happening in society to help prevent it from happening in the future. Well, yeah, that's that's excellent advice. So we know you have to leave a little early today. How can uh, you got about two minutes before you told us you had to leave? So how can people get in contact with you, Selena, uh, if they need more information or if they're going through something uh, like that right now? Yeah, so you should contact us at the Circle Sanctuary office. Contact Lady Liberty League, and you can send a message to us. Liberty, L-I-B-E-R-T-Y, at circlesanctuary.org. Send a direct email. What would be even better if it's a case in which you want some immediate help is to go to www.circlesanctuary.org slash liberty. Go to the Lady Liberty website that's connected with the Circle Sanctuary web presence and fill out a Lady Liberty League help request form. We also have Lady Liberty League on Facebook and on Twitter. So that's a way to stay informed. And if you are involved with um, networking and you want to help with religious freedom work, I invite you to join our Facebook page, to get on our Twitter feed, so that we can keep you informed of what kind of cases we're working with and what kinds of things specifically you can do to help. I also have a Facebook page and sometimes I get requests through there which I redirect to the Lady Liberty League um, staff that I work with, but I'm very thankful for this opportunity to talk about religious freedom and the importance of upholding it, and to work together to create a better society with liberty and justice for all. Well, we're very thankful you came on the show. Like I said, this is a, a topic that in my life has, has been a very near and dear topic. Um, the lack of religious freedom caused, having caused a lot of pain in people's lives. Well, that's it. And I do think that regardless of where one lives, paying attention to who's running for public office, especially their viewpoints on these issues, and picking someone that's going to champion liberty and justice for all is really an important thing to do. Voting doesn't take a lot of time and effort. It's something that can be part of the solution. And I'm really hoping that coming out of this show that you all will be inspired to not only vote but to pay attention to who's running and I'm also hoping that you can be aware that religious freedom needs to be constantly guarded and upheld rather than we just have it run on automatic well thank you very much for your time Selena we better let you go you're gonna get in trouble Yes, well, and I call on Libertas, the ancient Roman goddess of liberty who's now a symbol of freedom for our country and, and freedom around the world. May she watch over all of us as we continue to reflect on religious freedom and find ways to uphold it. So mote it be. So mote so it, it be. Thank you, Selena. 
Thank you. Well, the importance of uh, religious freedom, stress aside, we're, we're very happy that Celia came on the show. Uh, she had to leave a little early because she has her own show on Blog Talk, uh, I believe. Uh, but it really is a critical issue. And even though um, we didn't cover it, uh, all the details as thoroughly as we possibly could, um, it matters. Uh, even just by doing ghost hunting, uh, like I said, it was implying that even the ghost hunting could be in some parts of the country, and I think you'd agree, Jason, enough to uh, have the courts cast a weird eye on you. Um, well, and I do agree because it comes down to the fact, even if you're professing Christianity, if it came down to say, I think the hot topic tends to be child custody battles because that's where so. the dirt like it's flung, you know. But yeah, they're going to say that you have strange beliefs and that you're having a negative impact on the children, but by, you know, implying that they could communicate with spirits and that might just not go with the status quo of the community you live in. Um, Actually, I think you have a good word on that, Andrea, about how the court tries to twist it around. They don't make it a religious issue. They make it an issue of what is good for the child. Actually, they basically somewhat, some oftentimes say that it doesn't fit the community standards, um, which means it's kind of like a mob rule. What, what is the community standards? Well, in most cases, that would be uh, Christian. I love, I have a lot of good Christian friends, so I'm not bashing Christians, but... Um, By no means. But the rhetoric is sometimes disturbing. we got about two minutes left on the show, uh, so there are some things we're going to be doing in the future. We have uh, Tony Merswicki next week. He should be a good show on uh, Hellenic uh, Hermeticism. Uh, we got my event that's coming up, which I have to always look it up. It's see when was, when, when's my event jason oh it's coming up in may and that is jackson michigan and i apologize i don't remember the exact date on that one all right that's why we have the internet i uh, was so it's actually going to be may 19th we're going to do white baths on the point of the ancestors uh, it'll be transformative. You can check it out at my webpage, AndreaVenomous.com. Uh, our webpage is deeper down uh, the rabbit hole.com or uh, with DDTRH.com. Um, deeper down the rabbit hole is a subsidiary of the Quantum Life Science Institute. Uh, and we, we, as the Institute, will bring these kind of shows to you on a weekly basis to try to inform and hopefully enlighten people. And with that, we want to thank the Illuminist for his fine music, which will take us on out. And thank you all for listening. <laughs>